Welcome to ID the Future. I'm Casey Luskin, broadcasting from Seattle, Washington, with Discovery Institute's Center for Science and Culture. We're back here on ID the Future with Dr. Michael Egnor, professor in the Department of Neurosurgery at the State University of New York, Stony Brook. He's not just a brain surgeon, but he teaches brain surgery. He got his medical degree from Columbia University Medical School, has published articles in a number of very high-level neurology journals. He's also a regular writer and contributor to Discovery Institute's news site, Evolution News and Views. Dr. Agnor, we're very glad to have you back on the show with us here. Great to be here, Casey. Well, I want to continue our conversation about Jerry Coyne, the evolutionary biologist from the University of Chicago, who you have written quite a bit uh, back and forth with on Evolution News over the last few months, especially talking about free will. And in the previous podcast, Dr. Egnor, you mentioned how once somebody denies free will, they really lose the ability to condemn any action that a human takes as morally evil. They can't say that something is actually evil or that somebody actually did something evil because everything we did, in their view, is determined by the forces of nature and really nobody ought to be at fault for having done anything. And these arguments have, of course, popped up in the legal system where the famous Darwin-defending lawyer Clarence Darrow, the famous case back in the 1920s of the two boys who killed somebody just for fun, and then he argued in court that, hey, you can't blame these boys for this sport killing that they undertook. They were just acting upon what their genes and maybe their environment forced them to do. And he really argued that there is no free will. You have called Jerry Coyne out on the same kind of topic. Matter of fact, in one of your articles on Evolution News, you pointed out that Jerry Coyne, at various points, has condemned the Nazis for their immoral actions. And of course, we would agree with Coyne that what the Nazis did is terrible. But does Jerry Coyne have the right to condemn the Nazis if he denies free will? Does his worldview lead to the ability to do that? What do you think? Well, I think that for many people, quite frankly, the fact that Coyne's denial of free will leaves him incapable of coherently accusing the Nazis of moral evil is enough to discard his denial of free will. That is, it is such a bizarre viewpoint that the Holocaust was not a moral evil because there are no moral evils, that it really puts the denial of free will almost into a category of delusion. The fact is we all know that it was horrendously evil. We all know that evil things really happen and that they really are evil. And if there is real evil, just as if there's real good, then free will must exist because if we're all just determined chemical bags, determined meat robots, then there is no good or evil. We're simply acting out our chemistry. And of course, Coyne's response to this has been and, and would be that although he believes that things such as the Holocaust were not morally evil, because there is no such thing as moral evil. He certainly believes that they weren't salubrious, is the term he uses, which means that they didn't work for the common good and should be condemned on that basis. And, of course, the response to that is, if there is no moral evil, then there is no common good. That is, that all he's doing is changing the concept of moral evil from individual acts to broader understandings of society. But if there is no free will and there is no moral evil, then you really can't condemn even something as horrible as uh, the Holocaust. I should point out that the argument that free will does not exist and that we are all sort of following instructions, perhaps our chemical instructions, was actually very much an argument used by defense counsel at Nuremberg. 
That is, that when the Nazis themselves were asked, well, why did you do this? Their answer was, well, we were compelled to. We were following instructions. We weren't really morally accountable. So when you find that your metaphysics was shared by the defense counsel at the Nazi war crime trials, you ought to reconsider your metaphysics. Uh, and I think Coyne should reconsider. I think that the Nazis probably believed that what they were doing was for the quote-unquote common good. So how do you define common good? How, on what basis do you condemn something if somebody believes what they're doing is for the common good? And of course, Dr. Agnor, all of this flows out of Jerry Coyne's scientism. If you can't scientifically prove that something is good or evil, then scientism dictates he can't condemn it as good or evil. But there are other ways of knowing things that go beyond science, ethics and morality. Obviously, we have ways of determining whether things are good or evil that go beyond science. Jerry Coyne has to reject those ways of knowing because of his scientism. But there's another way that I think Jerry Coyne's scientism leads him astray. And you wrote in a post that you, I think, very keenly titled, Jerry Coyne Determined to Deny Free Will. And in that post, you're talking about Coyne's defense of Richard Dawkins. You write, if Jerry Coyne believes, as Dawkins does, that we can upset the design of our selfish genes and practice genuine generosity and altruism, then Coyne presupposes strong free will, an idea he has repeatedly rejected up until now. Cognitive dissonance is inherent to materialism. So it sounds like what you're saying there is that even though he denies it, Jerry Coyne really does have free will, and therefore he realizes that free will is a part of our experience, and sometimes he unwittingly starts to defend it. Materialism really cannot account for the fact that we know that we can, quote-unquote, transcend our selfish genes sometimes and rise above and practice these higher moral virtues. So does Jerry Coyne's worldview prevent him not only from condemning the evil that humans can do, but also from understanding the good that we can do? Well, one of the points about Coyne's denial of free will that I find sometimes the most frightening is Coyne has suggested in several of his posts that because he believes that there is no actual free will, that we should change our approach to criminal justice so that the approach to criminal justice does not entail retribution, but instead entails correction, that basically it's sort of like training animals. You, you want to train people to do better. Of course, how one could define better in a world with no moral good or evil is a question Coyne doesn't address. But what is genuinely frightening about applying Coyne's determinism and denial of free will to our society is that the most important consequence of the denial of free will is not that there therefore is no guilt. The most important consequence is that if you deny free will, there is no innocence. That is, that no one is truly innocent or truly guilty. And it enables, it encourages an approach to law enforcement that deals with people based on predictions of what they might do, that deals with people as if they were not free agents and they could simply be controlled. And quite frankly, that's a totalitarian approach. That if you deny free will, you deny the validity of retribution in terms of punishing criminals. But retribution, in many ways, gives sort of an honor to the criminal because it recognizes that the criminal had a choice, chose wrongly, and should reconsider that choice. Whereas if you deny free will, you deny that anyone could really even be innocent. And what you're really asking for there is a very frightening totalitarian world 
where people are simply treated as chess pieces who are manipulated on a chessboard to get the results the people in power want to achieve. So the, the denial of free will is not inconsequential and it's not merely an, an academic debate. It has enormous consequences for politics, for the way we run our society, and we are in big trouble if a lot of people begin to accept Jerry Coyne's bizarre denial of free will. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, Dr. Agnor. And not only does it demean the prisoner by treating him like a, just a meat machine, but it also, in some cases, can harm the person who's been convicted of a crime. And what if we just say, look, the best way to treat violent criminals is to give them a lobotomy or to just med them up, medicate them up so that they won't have those tendencies, rather than giving them the opportunity to learn and grow and rise above some of their own tendencies, which we all have, and we all have this same common struggle, why? Why do we deny that opportunity to grow and mature and rise above to the criminal? Instead, just treat them like a machine that has to be fixed. And if the point of criminal justice is not retribution, and if free will doesn't exist, then from Coyne's perspective, why even bother to wait until someone has committed a crime? Why not select people out who statistically are prone to doing things that are illegal and incarcerate them? before they do it. That's preventative approach. So what Coyne's philosophy does away with is the concept of justice. What justice becomes and what civil society becomes is livestock management. So the denial of free will is, frankly, a very effective basis for a totalitarian state. Hannah Arendt, who's a philosopher who has written extensively on the nature of totalitarianism, in fact, one of her books was the famous quote, uh, The Banality of Evil. Arendt pointed out, uh, not in so many words, but conceptually, that it was the viewpoint that human beings were swept along by forces of nature and did not have free will themselves that was the essence of totalitarianism. Once you acknowledge that people have the ability to act freely and choose, then you deny totalitarian methods. So what Coyne is saying is not simply wrong. It's not simply gibberish. It's deadly. Wow, Dr. Agnor, this is fascinating stuff. We are, again, running out of time for this podcast, and I think that we need to understand, folks, that when we debate questions about Darwinism and intelligent design, materialism, free will, these are not just abstract academic questions. These are questions that have profound implications for society and could even impact you directly and your livelihood. So, Dr. Agnor, thank you for upholding what I think is the truth and the truth that sets you free, that human beings have free will and that allows us to live in a free and just society. And I really appreciate the arguments that you're making here. Thank you, Casey. Well, we're going to come back for a final podcast with Dr. Michael Egnor. We're going to close up this conversation about his debates with Dr. Jerry Coyne at the University of Chicago. I'm Casey Luskin with ID the Future. Thanks for listening. This program was recorded by Discovery Institute Center for Science and Culture. ID the Future is copyright Discovery Institute 2014. For more information, visit www.intelligentdesign.org or www.idthefuture.com.